Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Been ministering to us tonight by your spirit through our worship and also through the word. And so we just prepare our hearts now to open them up to receive your truth to speak to our hearts and establish faith and to help us just be more like Jesus and become more like what his heart is for us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You can be seated. Um, had a good time. A lot of you were here last night. We had a really good time last night uh, just sort of passing out um, stuff to the uh, neighborhood over there for, uh, to, you know, for everybody's over there trick-or-treating and we're doing our thing, just praying with folks. And um, it was interesting for me... Um, Last year when I did it, I just sort of passed out the popcorn uh, and, and sort of did that part of it. But this, this year, I sort of made it a point to try to ask as many people as I could, could we pray with them about anything? And it was amazing to me how many people were open to say, yeah, I got this thing. Could you pray about that? And so got a lot of opportunity to pray for people. And so that was a good time. So thanks for you all that jumped in and helped with that. I'm sure Nakia would share that same sentiment as well. But um, I want to jump into our message tonight. Um, we're talking about Jesus, our healer, and we'll probably be on this for another good couple, uh, probably, probably through the end of the year, to be honest with you. But um, uh, we've been talking about the fact that it's the will of God for us to be healed physically. And um, we're sort of hitting on it every week so that we can just continue to build upon our faith and grow in our belief that it's the will of God for us to do that so that our faith can, you know, appropriate that promise for us. So Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5 is our foundational text. We'll read that and then we'll move through what I believe the Lord has for us tonight. But it says, Surely, speaking of Jesus, He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for the worship, for the time that we've had to spend worshiping you, and we just prepare our hearts right now to receive your truth. I just pray that uh, we'll do more than share information tonight, that revelation will come forth that helps us and just helps us grow and sets us free, maybe even in areas of our life that don't relate to healing, but we just need to hear it. And so I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, as I was reading that opening text, one of the things that stood out to me that I, you know, um, haven't really recognized in a while, so I figured I'd just bring it up. As you notice in verse 4, it says that, you know, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. What that verse says is, is that the people that saw him thought he was being punished by God for being an evil person. But what that verse of scripture actually said is he was being punished for us being the transgressors. And it goes on to say, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So we've been focusing on really that last phrase there, with his stripes we are healed, pointing out that part of the redemptive plan that God has provided for us is healing for our physical bodies, just as you know the, the previous uh, phrases in those two verses point out the other things that he provided for us. Uh, which include being you know, uh, forgiven for our iniquities and for our sins being forgiven, for us having peace of mind. You know, we've also been provided healing because of what Jesus did for us. But you know, one of the things that I pointed out you know, in one of the earlier messages was it seems to me that you know, most people don't have a problem with the, the, first, you know, the first part of that verse 5, right? Um, they don't have a problem with Jesus dying for your sins. 
Matter of fact, you know, those are fighting words if you'd say that um, he didn't die for our sins with a lot of folks, right? Um, and then he was bruised for our iniquities. He set us free from the sinful nature. Um, and then he wants us to have peace. But it seems sometimes people struggle with this last phrase. And one of the reasons I said that was because all of those other promises are spiritual blessings. There are blessings that are just as true as the healing but they're spiritual. They're not, they don't impact the physical realm as much as physical healing does, right? You can touch and feel physical healing when it happens, but forgiveness of sins is less of a tangible thing. It's much more of a spiritual thing. So it's easy to believe something that you can't see sometimes because the opposite of it is not staring you in the face. Uh, but when it comes to physical healing, you know, when sickness jumps on you, you know, it, it's difficult sometimes to believe for healing because you're dealing with the very real symptoms that, that are staring you in the face. And so those physical obstacles oftentimes can cause us to look for, I think, excuses as to why the promise of God is not true instead of digging our heels in and standing on what God has clearly stated in his word and just saying, I don't care about what I see or what I feel. I'm not going to be moved by that. I'm going to be just continue to stand on the promise of God until I receive what it is he said I can have. And some of us may fall short of that. There may be folks that believe for that their whole lifetime and fall short of it before, you know, and, and pass away. Uh, it doesn't mean they're bad people or anything of that nature. It just means they fell short of a promise, just like, you know, any other promise that people fall short of um, at times in our life. And so physical healing is something that God has promised for us. And the way we receive any promise of God, we've pointed out, is through faith. First John tells us this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So the way we overcome the obstacles of this world, and sickness would be one of those, is through faith. And that faith to overcome those promises comes from hearing the will of God on a given matter. And so Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, or you could even say by the will of God, because the word of God is the will of God. It tells us what his will is. And so faith for us for healing comes when we hear the scriptures and promises on healing. So what we've been doing in this series is we've really just been going through uh, reason after reason based on Scripture that we know it's the will of God for us to be healed so that when sickness does try to attach itself to us, we don't fall back into a compromised position where we're like, well, maybe in this situation, you know, it's not the will of God for me to be healed. No. According to Scripture, and we'll, we'll move through this and continue to move through this, it's always the will of God for us to be healed, but sometimes we just fall short of His will. It's always the will of God for people to be saved, but people die and go to hell. It's not God's will for that to happen. They just didn't receive it. Same thing when it comes to healing. And so uh, we've been talking about some of those reasons. So real quickly, um, just to review some of those, I'm going to hit them every week because I just want you to get them down on the inside of you. Hopefully you'll have them memorized by the time we get to the end of this. But number one, we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because we're created in His image. And He redeemed us to be returned to His image. And God's not weak and sickly. So if God's not weak and sickly and we were created to be like Him, then He created us and it's His will for us. To be healed. Number two, we said it's the will of God for us to be healed because he gave us authority over sickness. He told us to actually uh, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He told us to pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith would save the sick. So he commanded us to go take authority over sickness. So it's clear that sickness is an enemy and it's the will of God for us to be free from it. Number three, we said it's the will of God for us to be healed because there's no sickness in heaven. And he said, pray your will in heaven, be done, on earth, be done as it is in heaven. So it's the will of God. He wants us to pray what's going on in heaven would be in our life now. Sickness isn't in heaven, so we know sickness is a part of the will of God. Then we pointed out that we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because we have a new and better covenant. Everybody say new. Everybody say better. Covenant. 
just said that so I could get you involved. So, you know, because sometimes you hear this over and over again. You're like, come on, get to the new stuff. Um, but we have a new and better covenant. We have a covenant based on better promises. What does that mean? It means that in the Old Testament, there was a covenant that said if you obeyed God and you did what was right, you'd be blessed. If you didn't obey God and did what was wrong, you'd be cursed. But the new and better covenant says if you obey God, you'll be blessed because of Jesus. Not because of what you do, right? But you'll be blessed just because you trust Jesus. And if you disobey God, you'll still be blessed because of Jesus, right? If you'll put your faith in him instead of your works, you can be blessed. Doesn't mean that pain won't come from doing wrong, but God's not going to remove his hand of blessing from you simply because you made a mistake or you disobeyed God. And so that's a new and better covenant. And that old covenant included healing as a blessing, so that new and better covenant would include the same. And then we pointed out several other things, but last week we pointed out we knew it was the will of God for us to be healed because of the all-inclusive promises of God. All means all, whatsoever means whatsoever, whosoever means whosoever, and there's tons of scriptures about, you know, all the things that you ask for in prayer, believe, receive. Uh, whosoever asks for it can receive it. And so all of those all-inclusive blessings, healing would fall under that, and you would fall under that, so we know that's the will of God. Today, today what I want to talk to you about is this. I want to take a look at, uh, the. we know that healing is the will of God because of the Old Testament foreshadowing that we see that points to what Jesus would, did for us on the cross. I'm just going to point out two of those Old Testament examples, but I would tell you to bear in mind that anytime you read the Old Testament and you see God establishing a ritual or a principle, if you look hard enough and close enough at that ritual or principle or ceremony, you'll see that it was established as really a foreshadowing to point to what Jesus would do for us. So I want to talk to you about two of those. The first one I want to talk to you about, notice Romans chapter 15 and verse 14, what it says here. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So what that verse tells us is that the things that were written in the past, through the Old Testament and the, all the examples and the things that we see, they were written there to teach us something, to, appoint, to point us to something, to encourage us about something. Colossians chapter 6, 2 and verse 16 goes on and says that as well. It says, so don't let anyone criticize you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating Jewish holidays and feasts or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Notice this, for these were only temporary rules that ended when Christ came, they were only shadows of the real thing of Christ himself. So once again, we see that in the Old Testament, the principles, the rules, the ceremonies, all the things you find in the Old Testament, they were established, and there were certain real benefits for, for, for the people that practiced those in that present time. But really, through the foreknowledge of God, those were established to foreshadow and teach us something today about what Jesus provided for us. And so one of those types and shadows that we see in the Old Covenant is the fact uh, we see the, the, the meal of the Passover. And so what we're going to point out here is that we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because Jesus is our Passover lamb. We know that healing is for us today because of that. But notice, first of all, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 18 and 19, it says, Jesus replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover. Notice they were celebrating the Passover. So Jesus was honoring a tradition uh, that, that, they were that the nation of Israel was commanded to honor on an annual basis. He said, I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus directed, and, uh, directed them and prepared 
the Passover. So, you know, during the Easter season specifically, we hear a lot about the Passover, but um, the nation of Israel has practiced this Passover meal for thousands of years, right? And do, they do so out of obedience from the scriptures. The scriptures told them that they should repeat this on a regular basis. But what is the significance of the Passover? Do they just do it to have a party? Do they just do it to celebrate? No. There is a specific reason Israel was told to, to, to celebrate that Passover meal. And we find the establishing of that in, in Exodus chapter 12, verses, two through, uh, verses 3 through 8. Notice verse 3, it says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the, so, this, so just, just before we even read this, this sort of took place, uh, how many of you ever watched the Ten Commandments? I always bring up the Ten Commandments because I remember as a kid watching that. You know, we used to go uh, with my parents uh, and their friends to Pentecostal Church in, in uh, Bedford, and after we finished on Sunday nights, we'd go over uh, to the, our friend's house and we'd eat uh, Chef Boyardee homemade pizzas. How many of you ever had a Chef Boyardee homemade pizza? And I remember as a kid, we'd just wait for it to come out of the oven so you could grab it quick before it was all gone. <laughs> But, um, but I remember, you know, that when we do that, uh, I remember on occasion, just in, one of, in my memory, I remember being over the house and the, and the Ten Commandments being on, right? And uh, that, that one, one of those Sunday nights we were there. Well, in the Ten Commandments, if you remember, there's that scene where uh, the cloud sort of moves into Egypt and, and all the firstborn die and you hear everybody screaming, you know, and, uh, and, and so this verse of scripture, Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 here, sort of line out what God told the nation of Israel to do just before that happened. Uh, and so what we find in verse 3 is where it happens. He says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Everybody say a lamb. So he specifically said, take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And he goes on to say in verse 5, you shall, the lamb you shall, the, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. And verse 6 says, and I, I've sort of just paraphrased some of this to help with time. It says, verse 6, now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. All right? Verse 7 says, and they, and, they shall, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the house where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh at, at, on that night, roasted in the fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. So here's the establishing of the Passover. God says, take a, take a lamb, an unspotted lamb, and I want you to sacrifice it. Then I want you to take the blood, put it on the doorpost and on the top of the doorpost, and then I want you to eat all of the lamb, and then I want you to eat some unleavened bread and some bitter herbs with that. And, then, uh, and, and, and what we'll see is, is there were immediate blessings that came to Israel from do, doing this. There were just not only immediate, but, imp, but there are also blessings that came on them as a result of doing that in the coming days. But we're also going to see that that has implication and points to what God, Jesus provided for us today. But what were some of the immediate results of partaking of the Passover? Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13 says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And so what he said there was this, that blood that was shed by that lamb and placed upon the doorpost would protect you from judgment that was going to fall on Egypt. 
goes on to say uh, in verse, uh, it, it, some of the other blessings that would come for that were not only just being protected. So when that death angel came in and killed all the firstborn of Israel, none of their children died because they partook of this lamb. They were protected from that judgment. But there was actually some things that took place even as a result of this Passover when they exited Egypt that, that were a blessing that came from it as well. And we see that in Psalm 105, verse 36 and 37. It says, then he killed. Everybody say he killed. Who killed? Who was he? The death angel, right? But the death angel, who sent the death angel? God did. You know, in some, some Word of Faith churches, they have a hard time teaching that, right? They have a hard, hard time saying it because everything's black and white, right? But, but why did God send a death angel to kill the firstborn of Israel? And, wh and what about those poor innocent firstborns that were killed, right? Why did, what, can, can I explain that to you a little bit? Well, the, uh, Jesus, that word killed actually is a word that it, it doesn't mean murder, there was judgment. How many of you realize when, when someone, uh, it, it, say you have a mass murderer and they're sentenced to death, nobody cries a river over that, right? It's justice that is meted out. And what happened here with the nation of, uh, this nation of Egypt is they were so vile and so corrupt that God said, I'm going to bring judgment upon that nation because of their vileness, judgment for their sins, right? Now, the good news for us today is, is because of Jesus, the Bible says God is withholding judgment from everybody now until the day that Jesus returns. There's grace available to anybody today. But that judgment was passed upon those, that whole nation. Well, what about those innocent kids? Well, let me th think about this for a minute. An innocent kid grows up in a nation that is, that is reprobate, beyond repentance. What is that child going to become? And where are they going to wind up? Right? But that child, that, that whole nation was judged and he wiped them all off the face of the earth, even the, even the innocent. Why? Because when, it, when Paul said, when I was a child, I was alive unto God, but then sin revived and then I died. It was actually an act of grace for those firstborn, right? Keeping them from becoming what a reprobate nation would have made them. So there's a little bit of insight that may help you chew on that one for a little bit. It might be helpful. But what we find here is this, that God judged the nation of Egypt. And, but notice this, it says, Then God killed the firstborn of the Egyptian at home, their pride and joy. goes on to say, and i got this bug i got to take care of. Sorry, it's a, it's a wasp. I'm judging him so he don't hurt you. Anyway, so verse 37 says, and brought his people safely out of Egypt. So he brought them out of Egypt. So part of the Passover that, that, that is celebrated by Egypt is celebrating their deliverance from slavery, their deliverance from Egypt. But notice this also. He brought them out of Egypt loaded with silver and gold. There were no sick. Now think about this. Over a million people exiting Egypt and there was no sick. Doesn't say there, were, there was nobody sick. No sick. And feeble folk among them. So part of the blessing of the Passover that brought protection to them was not only did it protect them, but it caused them to be strengthened in their bodies, no sick people, and they exited Egypt. So part of the Passover provided this divine health, this divine prosperity to them as they exited. And, and God told the nation of Israel after that initial Passover, do it every year now. Celebrate the fact that the, uh, kill an innocent lamb and celebrate what God has done, did for Egypt, did for the nation of Israel when he delivered them from Egypt. He delivered them from slavery, he brought them out with prosperity, and he brought them out with divine health. Nobody's sick amongst them. 
and then goes on to say, but bear in, bear in mind that these, this Old Testament ritual that he told them to do over and over again, we've already read, right? That it was done to show us something, to foreshadow something for us, to teach us something. What was it done to teach us? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8 says this, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us, so let us celebrate. Now you can go ahead and read it in context, and he's talking about, you know, that because Christ is our Passover lamb, we need to live holy, we need to live right. But what it says here in, in these few words that we've recorded, it says here, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us, so let us celebrate. So what does it tell us? That Jesus was our Passover lamb. So just as in the Old Covenant they partook of a, a Passover lamb that provided blessing to them, Jesus became the fulfillment of that lamb and provided very, the very same things and then some that that lamb provided for the nation of Israel. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, we see John the Baptist telling us part of what he provided. It says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, there it is again, the Lamb, our Passover Lamb, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now you think about that in the context of what John was saying to the people he was saying it to. They understood very clearly what he was saying because they practiced the Passover every year, right? Just like we celebrate Christmas, it was that much of a part of the culture and still is of Israel, right? And what he was saying when he said the Lamb of God, they knew immediately Man, he's calling Jesus our Passover lamb. And what he was saying is that Passover lamb, what would he do? It says, it says he would take away the sins of the world. See, what the Old Testament Passover lamb did, the actual natural lamb that they gave, what did it do? It protected them. It, it, it shielded their sins from being judged like the nation of Israel was. But the great thing about what Jesus provided for us is it wasn't a year-after-year -year sacrifice he had to make. It was eternal sacrifice to separate us from our sins so that we could receive that divine protection that they had to appropriate year after year after year after year after year. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us about how Jesus fulfilled that Passover lamb ritual for us. It says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought, here it is again, as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. We see the same innocence that a Passover lamb was brought to sacrifice. Jesus was brought and came with the same level of innocence. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 goes on to describe it. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, here it is again, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We see this theme throughout the New Testament of Jesus being referred to as our lamb that was slaughtered for us, our Passover lamb. We even see in heaven, you know, Jesus coming forth in Revelation being declared the lamb of God, right? And so what we see here is, is that his precious blood as a lamb without blemish and without spot who, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in this last time for you. I got to tell you, you know, a lot of people say, man, it would have been great to live back with Jesus and walk with him and talk with him. I got to tell you, we're living in the best time you could possibly live as a believer because everything that God, it says it was foreordained. And so think about it for a minute. When God told the nation of Israel, go sacrifice a lamb, 
because that's going to be part of what I'm going to do to help get you out of Egypt. In the foreordained foreknowledge of God, he established that knowing that one day he's doing this so that Jesus could fulfill that foreshadowing for us and provide the same blessing that, that uh, was provided to the nation of Israel. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9 says, Then said Jesus, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He taketh away the first. What does it mean he taketh away the first? Well, we said we have a new and better covenant, right? He, in, in fulfilling the will of God, he took away the old covenant and he, that he may establish a second covenant by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Just as that lamb was sacrificed so that, so that protection and healing and health and prosperity could come to the nation of Israel, Jesus was sacrificed for us. And if we will partake of his body the way that they partook of that lamb on an annual basis, if we'll do that regularly in our hearts, we can appropriate the same kind of healing and we can see the same kind of not a single sickly person being among us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24 tells us this. You know, this past Sunday we partook of communion. And the communion table, all the communion table is, is just us, us actually, in essence, taking Passover in remembrance of our Passover lamb. And we see it, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it, speaking of the bread, and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now skip down to verse 28. Everyone, so it says his body was broken. I read this last Sunday. It says, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning, notice this, without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Notice this, it goes on to say, that is why many are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. What does he say there? He says, one of the reasons people are sick is because they right, don't rightly discern that the body of Jesus is representative and the fulfillment of the foreshadowing of a, of, of a sacrificial lamb and a Passover lamb for us. When we partake of communion, we should partake of that communion understanding that just as the nation of Israel received healing through that Passover lamb, he is our lamb that was slain and he's provided healing for us. And so we know that healing is the will of God for us because of the foreshadowing of Christ as our Passover lamb. One other reason we know, one other Old Testament uh, example I want to get to is, is this. We know that healing is the will of God for us because Jesus is our standard to look to for healing. He is our standard to look to for healing. Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 6. As the children of Israel exited Egypt, they were in the wilderness, and this is what it says of them. It says, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. Well, there's a lesson in there in and of itself, right? That when you're going through a difficult time and things don't look like they're as good as they should be, you need to look around and be thankful for the blessings you do have, and also thank God that he's leading you somewhere, even though it may look like you're in the middle of a real bad spot right now, right? But it says, because of their unbelief and because of that, there were venomous snakes sent among them that bit them, and many of the Israelites died. But let's go on reading Numbers chapter 21 and verse 7. It says, therefore the people came to Moses 
and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Well, there's another lesson on what we've been teaching on Sunday mornings, right? They talked about him. They undermined him. They did all that stuff. But they said, forgive us. And what did Moses do? Well, he just prayed for him and forgave him. Verse 8 goes on to say, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Right? So here's a group of people getting bit by snakes, people dying, getting sick, right? And he says, Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to take a pole, and I want you to put a fiery serpent on it, and when people stare at it, they're going to get healed from their sickness, and they're not going to die. Goes on to say in verse 9, And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And so what we see actually, even in our culture today, is this symbol of a, a pole with a serpent on it is symbolic of healing. In medical circles, you can see that. As a matter of fact, I think the American Medical Association uses that standard of a snake on a pole as symbolic of healing. It's part of their logo, I think, even. And, and, and yet what we see here is this, is what, what uh, God told Moses was, is, is that if your people in that moment will look on that serpent on a pole, I'll provide healing for you. Now when that phrase says looketh upon it, that word looketh means to stare intently. So what he told them was, is if you'll, in the midst of all, how many of you realize, how many of you ever watch Fear Factor? You ever seen Fear Factor? It's a show. It's like a game show, the reality show, and they sometimes they'll throw a bunch of snakes in the water, and you got to swim with them to win the contest. And people are, Ooh, you know, so you imagine a bunch of snakes just all around your ankles and legs and coming after you. And and what God said though was is to the nation of Israel is if, if when all that stuff's slithering around you, if you'll stare intently at the pole instead of at the snakes, right? If you'll stare intently at it, you'll be healed. You'll be set free. You'll be protected. And what we find to be true is, is that, that, that symbol, that, that, that example that we see there was a foreshadowing of what Christ would actually provide for us. And we see it in John chapter 3 and verses 4 through 15. It says here, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what it says there is just as that Old Testament snake was lifted up, when people looked at that, if we look intently at Jesus hung upon a cross, we'll receive not just healing, but eternal life. Now we've pointed this out, and it should be a part of your belief system. That word eternal life doesn't just mean going to heaven. Doesn't just mean you become a Christian. That word eternal means unending versus that which is brief or fleeting. If you look it up in the Greek, it means unending versus that which is brief or fleeting. So you're going to receive something that's unending. It, does, it isn't brief. It just doesn't come for a moment, gone for a moment, come for a moment, gone for a moment, right? And then what is that unending thing you will receive? Well, that's the, it says eternal life. That word life is the word zoe. And it means both, if you look it up in the Greek, it means both of a physical and spiritual wellness. Both of a, that's verbatim what it says, both of a physical and spiritual wellness. Some people translate that word zoe to mean life like God has it. <laughs> so what he says there is, he says, he says, as Moses was lifted up on a pole, just like the children of Israel, and they stared on it, and they got blessed, right? If you'll stare on it, you'll receive eternal life. You'll see unending physical and spiritual wellness. That's a promise to you. 
Do we live up to it? Sometimes we fall short of it, right? But that's what God promises us. So what that tells me, if it's unending spiritual and physical wellness, that means that, you know, you getting better, then getting sick again. You getting better, you getting sick again. You getting better, you getting sick again. You're actually, because of what Jesus did for us and the foreshadowing of what we see in the old covenant and the healing that was provided, that foreshadowing tells us that we're free from that type of cycle in our life. That if we'll look intently at what Jesus did for us, when sickness and disease is slithering all around us, then we can receive healing, just like they did, right? See, that's, that's one of the keys to receiving healing in our lives, is many times what we wind up doing is, is we're staring at the symptom. We're staring at the circumstance, right? And so, when we, and, and so we're waiting for the circumstance to change, and, and that's not what God told the children of Israel. He didn't say stare at the snakes and wait for them to leave, right? He said stare at the serpent on the pole, right? Same thing for us. Many times we're staring at the symptom. You know, wish, and, and so like even people come forward in a prayer line, and when they leave, they're like, oh, I wonder if I was healed. They're looking for the symptom. They're looking. Instead of just saying, you know what, bless God, whether I see it, whether I don't see it, whether it's slithering around me, whether or not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at what Jesus provided for me. I'm going to say, that's mine. I believe that, and that settles it for me. And that kind of faith that can stare intently at what God says about you instead of what's going on in your life will actually provide healing for you. And so what we see in that Old Testament example of a serpent on a pole is it was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would provide for us. And just as healing was provided for those who stared upon that foreshadowing, we can look intently to Jesus and we can receive the same kind of healing. So two reasons we know that healing is the will of God for us. Number one, Jesus was foreshadowed as our Old Testament Passover lamb that would provide for us healing. And then Jesus was foreshadowed as our standard on a cross that provided healing for us. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Healing is the will of God for you tonight. Healing is the will of God no matter how long staying your symptoms are, no matter how much you failed to walk in it up to this point, it really doesn't matter. Because the promise of God said healing is for you. And we've seen example after example, we're going to continue to see them. Just to continue to build our faith so that when that old lie comes to us, well, maybe this is the time where it's not for me. We can say, no, it may take time. You know, I'll tell you a little story. You know, I, I, how many of y'all have been, sort of, you get the monthly emails that I send out about the reports on the church and where we're at. And how many of you noticed the last couple months financially, we've sort of been behind, the, behind on budget? Well, uh, this month, um, we were able to uh, just catch up some things. The, the summertime actually put us two mortgage payments behind. I didn't tell you guys that, why? Because I just stood on the word and said, I believe God meets our needs. Well. Uh, just through a, a chain of events, we were able to uh, pay those two mortgage payments and catch them up. So I got an email from the mortgage company, and he said, man, Pastor Tommy, he said, I'm so, I'm so glad to be able to send you this. Just thank you so much for, for, uh, for, for catching those mortgage payments up, and it looks like you had a good month. And, and uh, he said, just thank you. And I, my email back to him was, don't thank me, thank God, because he don't always settle up at the end of the month but he always settles up if you'll stick with him. So as we stare intently at what God says about our finance, about our physical healing, 
It may not happen immediately. But through faith and patient endurance, we can appropriate that blessing because healing is provided for us through what Jesus did for us. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you love us and thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness to provide. Thank you for your goodness to meet needs. And I just give you praise and thanks, Father God, that part of meeting our needs is meeting the needs of our physical bodies. That at times sickness tries to raise its ugly head, but you've provided a way for us to walk in divine health. And if sickness does happen to attach itself to us, you've provided a way for us to be healed because of what Jesus did for us, because by his stripes we were healed. So thank you, Father, for our Passover lamb. Thank you that he came as an innocent, sinless, spotless lamb and chose to sacrifice himself for us so that we could experience the blessing of our sins forgiven, protection from harm, prosperity and abundance, and yes, healing in our physical bodies. Thank you that he hung upon a cross and as a standard that we can look to when things look bleak and different than what you said and that it will bring to pass that healing that you promised us. We give you praise and thanks for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, God bless you tonight. Thanks for coming out. Try to stay warm on the way back to your cars. And I promise you next week, it'll be warmer in here when you get in here. We got to reset the thermostats. And so they weren't reset tonight, but it'll be a little warmer in here when you get here next Wednesday night. All right. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.